The pandemic rages on, but thankfully, so does comedy. Tonight, we're talking to two of our favorite festival heavy hitters who now have something to say online. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, coast-to-coast, Canada-wide, North America-wide, and in fact, planet Earth-wide. If you happen to be sitting at home with the internet, which we're pretty sure you are, you can tune in on Global News Online. And we, of course, have our friend and producer Vince Tedesco on the line with us. How are you doing, buddy? We're doing okay. We're trying Zoom for the first time. Zoom audio, and if you follow us on social media zoom video we'll post some clips afterwards and here's the sad thing vince and we were just saying this with our with our first guest who we'll bring up in a second here but we were just saying this before we started the show we have been doing literally almost an entire season of quarantine shows at this point and we are just now in phase like 16 or something just now figuring out zoom how sad is that for us vince I know we were on cellular for so long. Now we're on Zoomular. Welcome to 2020 again. This we're is like catching up with the trend. We we really are. I mean, half of our guests this year have been this entirely new crop of comics, so-called Generation TikTok, and we're like the dinosaurs over here. We're like you could do you could talk to people on the internet. So we're just figuring that out now. I know. We're doing comedy shows on on Zoom now, eh, Dean? I don't know if you heard. We are, yeah. So yeah. Once, once we get to, like, COVID 3.0, we'll actually have all this figured out. Uh, of course, this week's show is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you socially distance more clearly. I'm super excited about this first guest who hasn't joined us in forever, definitely pre-COVID times. <laughs> Simpler times for sure. We have the one and only Nikki Payne on the line. Nikki, first off, I, I've been asking everybody this this entire season. It is a kind of an actual loaded question, but literally, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky people that can stay home. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I live in a country, so I can actually walk around. I live in New Brunswick, so for a long time we were in a bubble and just pretended like nothing was happening outside the bubble. Oh, <laughs> like my God. Burst, and you it get actual out. fresh air and go out into the world. We had some sense of normalcy for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm knocking on wood right now because our, um, our premier is going to be going on uh, doing an update in about a half an hour, and I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's almost like at this point, we're almost expecting it to just perpetually keep rolling over. Yeah. It's yeah. like... Here in, here in Toronto, I mean, there was a brief period. We were always sort of jealous of all the comics out West. For about half of the season this year, we would talk to comics out in Alberta and BC, and they're like, oh, no, the clubs are open. We're still doing road gigs. Everything's normal until they finally crashed. And but here in Toronto, it was like, everything's open again for five minutes. <laughs> then two shows happen at Comedy Bar, and now it all closed again. I mean, for you, obviously, for every working comic and touring comic, 
everybody's schedule for the most part completely went on hold this year, got wiped mm -hmm. out. The festivals got put on pause. But okay. one thing a lot of comics were saying, Nikki, is that this sort of force, because comedy is such an all in sort of, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. I mean, you're constantly out there working, hustling. You really have to be doing that at all times. Did it force you in some way to sort of step back and slow down a little bit? A lot of comics are saying this made them sort of appreciate real life again for a bit in a way that they hadn't before. Yeah. Um, well, I was sort of stepping back and slowing down for some time. That's probably why I haven't been on your show for a while. Um, you know, I moved to New Brunswick in the country, so that isn't really the best career move. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good emotional move for me. And uh, so I've been sort of stepping back and doing less and less comedy for a while and I keep you know I keep telling all my friends like oh you know I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna retire from comedy I think I'm gonna retire from comedy but then I don't it just pulls you right back in um so for me uh it's almost been as if the universe is like well you keep talking like you're gonna retire from comedy <laughs> here why don't I actually make it so that you have to retire from comedy <laughs> for a while and let's see what you do with that I think the one thing that always happened in, in Canadian comedy for the longest time, and I mean, you're so, certainly no stranger to this, is that, you know, Canada is sort of this big, broad expanse of just little comedy hubs really geographically spread out. So you would go and, and tour around and do, do the road work and try and build your audience town by town. It's like the, the Ron James method of just like going out there and trying to get Canadians to pay attention to what you're doing. It's almost like now, especially during COVID, Everybody has gone online. Everything's all about sort of just putting everything out there to a global audience. We we've almost skipped that struggle that we were always in of trying to figure out how to get Canadians to pay attention. Yeah, I am so proud of our industry right now. Like the way that, you know, especially the younger people have like just adapted and evolved and are still making it happen. I'm coming late to the whole like Zoom comedy party uh, uh on on this weekend is going to be the first time i've ever really done anything from my living room uh but the young people started right away like on facebook and just got out there and adapted and i'm just so freaking proud of how 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 they're 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 changing the industry just by you know what's the saying um uh uh uh, necessities, the, the mother of invention or something like that. Yeah. And it's like they, you know, they were put in a terrible place where they weren't able to tour anymore and, and they're figuring it out. And I think it's probably going to change the industry for a long time. And yeah, Canadians are actually starting to, you know, to be interested in what uh, Canadian comedians are doing. I love it. That's the thing. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, talking to I mean, it's been almost a year of this at this point. So this entire season, we've been talking to comics all over North America, but also people higher up in the industry side too. I mean, even talk, you know, people like Mark Breslin, you'd have them on here and they're, and they're really scratching their heads, trying to figure out how to keep all this stuff afloat and how to work with what they've been given. And you're totally right. It's sort of this current crop of comics who have really just, found an audience and kept the whole thing afloat i think whenever this does eventually blow over the industry side you know the the quote unquote the gatekeepers that were always there are going to look at this and go oh 
this is the way things are now, I guess. And we weren't even the ones who built this. It's been completely independent really during all this. So it's really incredible to see. Oh yeah, no, the, it's uh, the next generation of comics are real smart little cookies. They're, um, you know, I, I'm just so excited to see what it is that they're gonna pull off next. And I think too, it's, you know, because comedy can, I mean, obviously everybody, there is, there is some camaraderie and friendship and all that. I mean, you certainly have comics, I'm sure that you came up with and that you enjoy working with the most and that you're really close with. But at the end of the day, comedy does, of course, have that sort of lone wolf element to it, especially in here in Canada, because, you know, people are going really after a relatively small pool of the certain handful of large festivals, the certain tapings, sort of all the same stuff on the calendar every year. So there is sort of this element of competition with each other and this ego part that I think during this past year, during the pandemic, a lot of that got stripped away. You're seeing this this sort of, not to be too precious about it, but sort of this sense of community. And, and, and a lot of people in comedy just sort of went, we really are all in this same thing together at the same time. Let's see how we can keep all this going. They're not, they're not competing with each other as much right now. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, I've always likened it to we're like a dysfunctional family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll fight and we'll, you know, we'll complain about each other and we'll, you know, nah, 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 that guy, all that stuff, right? But then when push <laughs> comes to shove, we are a family. And uh we'll uh you know, what we pull together when we need to. I, I think so too. And it's interesting because you know, going back to uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, just before COVID hit and before everything got turned on its head. It was interesting, and I'll, I'll come back and break with this as well, but it, it, the groundwork was almost already there for the way Canadian comics, independent of the management and the festivals and the bookers and all that stuff, just comics themselves were learning how to work as a community. Because right before COVID hit, there was that whole struggle of Canadian comics fighting for their for their residuals to get paid for their airplays on, on yeah, satellite yeah, yeah. radio. Yeah. Right? And you remember that? And there was this whole these big town halls happening all over Canada. And of course, CASC, this Canadian comics union was formed and, and everybody rallied together as, as one industry in a way I, I think nobody has ever really seen before in this country. And it was incredible. And I think because that happened when it did, as soon as COVID hit, that sort of togetherness just kept in its place and it sort of rode, rode through this storm. Uh, but anyways, we're going to, we're going to pick Nikki's brain some more on, uh, her take on where the industry is going after this and what she's been up to and uh, where we see the festivals and everything heading next. We'll be back with more Nikki Payne right here on Inside Jokes. Hey, this is Nikki Payne. You're listening to Inside Jokes. I'm giving you a night call you how I feel. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Even if you're sitting in the back row, it's probably fine. And I'm going to keep saying that slogan this entire year until live comedy comes back and it finally makes sense again. We, of course, have the one and only Nikki Payne on the line with us on our first Zoom show. Took us a full year of pandemic to figure out how to Zoom. Go figure. Uh, and before the break, of course, with Nikki, we were talking about the fact that an entire generation of comics right now have figured out this Zoom stuff. And of course, Nikki, this this 
week you have uh, you're doing black sheep comedy online. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you were you were saying uh, before the break how you did kind of take a bit of a break. I mean, you're you're living out in New Brunswick, enjoying fresh air, <laughs> social distancing, <laughs> all the things we can't do here in Toronto right now. That's for sure. Um, but aside from that, I mean, how much have you kind of dipped your toes into this whole online comedy thing? Is this sort of your first foray into that? Because it seems like everybody across the board has tried this stuff out to mixed reactions. I mean, Black yeah. Sheep Comedy is one thing. I mean, they've really managed to take what their brand was as a live stage gala and really translate it quite nicely to online. But like yeah. anything else, you know, there's been a lot of weird little formats of, that have popped up and it's at the end of the day it is a different animal doing stand-up in front of a screen and watching emojis pop up you're not in a room with people so have you dipped your toes in that much uh not really and i'm petrified <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm so petrified all i'll have is my dog and my cat staring at me <laughs> and they don't think i'm funny at all so they're not into my stuff um yeah, uh, I've done, I have not done the, you know, like this, where I'm sitting here in my living room, in my home, trying to make people laugh. I have never done that. I have done some online shows because, like like I said, we're, we were in the bubble. Uh, so we were able to uh, do some shows in venues with, like, you know, a half or a quarter of the yeah. audience in the room. And then we would do that online. But but the comedian still had the uh still had the benefit of some people kind of chuckling. Um so I've been very um I've been trying to avoid it for some time. <laughs> I'm, not yeah. as, I'm not as brave as the youngins are. Uh and so um yeah, so this is going to be my first time, yeah, actually in my living room, uh, trying to make people online laugh all, all alone. Uh, but um, you know what? My best friend, Kate Davis, I don't know if you've interviewed her lately. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. She loves it. Oh, really? She loves it. She absolutely, she's got the whole thing. She's got the ring light and everything. She's doing corporate. She's doing everything she loves it so you know and it does seem to be like that it seems to be like olives <laughs> that is true and <laughs> like I mean, i'll find out you know what kind of comedy olive i am i it is true and i mean it is an interesting point also that sort of you know newer comics especially in in scenes like like toronto and montreal and vancouver and, and cities all over the place open mic comics are already pretty used to just waiting until 1 a.m to tell jokes to six other complacent comics in the back of a room and one bartender that's just on their phone. <laughs> so that's like their bread and butter. So they'll do, they're fine. They're fine with how yeah. uncomfortable their first Zoom show might be. But I think the one, the interesting thing that's come out of this too is that, you know, Canadian comedy especially always had this sort of tendency to, to be regional about everything. You know, you would sort of, write and tell jokes about the place that you happen to be in and comics depending where they came from had specifically that flavor about them I think a lot of that probably is gone now too because so many people now are used to just broadcasting this stuff over TikTok and YouTube and Zoom and what have you well yeah I would imagine I mean I'm not sure I'm I'm over here in New Brunswick and I haven't (laughs) really participated in it as much um but yeah I would imagine that yeah if you want a broader audience you know, you're, you're on, you know, you're on TikTok or you're on Zoom or whatever, you know, it's not necessarily 
people that all live around you, right? So you can't make the, you know, the local hillbilly town jokes, right? Because they might not know what you're talking about. And uh, so, yeah, no, it definitely will probably, you know, my guess would be uh, that it could lead to some, yeah, real cohesion where, you know, where people start to develop a voice that's more Canadian than, than regional. And I think it's also in a lot of ways, it's, it, you know, it's going to be a sort of a, a really good, not that anything good comes out of this, but, you know, you sort of have to work with what you can, but it, it's going to be a good writing exercise for a lot of comics because, you know, there's that catch 22 of you can't really generate material unless you're out there living life. And right now we're in this thing where every comic on the planet is stuck in the exact same sort of stasis right now where we all have the same shared experience like i'm lining up to get groceries i'm staying six feet away from people on the sidewalk so nobody is doing anything really different from each other so it's going to give a, a comics a lot of forced time to be at home and think of think of material that they can come back with when they haven't really been doing anything this entire time yeah i i you know i mean this is a terrible situation pandemics are awful i don't think i need to (laughs) clarify that i don't know if you have noticed but this pandemic is awful um but if you can find any kind of silver lining in it for comedians it would be that uh they're 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 forced to to bring up their game or forced to be more creative uh yeah everybody has a a going to the grocery store with your mask on joke but if you're gonna write one you better write a really good one if you know if you want people to really like it um so yeah i mean it's it's um it's gonna force people to either do nothing and just sit back and let it wash over them uh but the people that really really want to do this really want to do comedy and uh and you know they're gonna they're really gonna be extra creative because they were given such hurdles to try to get over to do comedy so I, i would imagine that it's gonna lead to better comedians you know because i mean you know it it's always kind of, you know, comedians are always talking about some kind of struggle, right? It's like pain plus time equals comedy, right? Yeah. And well, there's a lot of pain right now, right? So the people that are, are you know, that they're working really hard on writing and, and building an act are gonna come out of this stronger. I think so too. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, one, one thing that we're seeing already, and this, you know, we're still very much in the thick of this, but just the fact that people who are at home really were, are willing to to pay what they can to watch these shows online and to and to you know opt into festivals that have gone digital and and still take part in this stuff mm-hmm. is just sort of it 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 verifies for us that there is really a need for that. I mean, comedy is such an important art form. It's it's sort of been good proof of that because I think after all this does blow over, you know, everybody's been stuck at home for a year in the same news cycle. I mean, yes, there's this, there's this awful backdrop of a global pandemic that's still very much going on. And then on top of that, there were a bunch of other really horrible things that all happened at the same time too, you know? So a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck at home on this 24 hour news cycle and Facebook and Twitter and just all this flaming garbage fire that's been happening. And I think people are going to look at that and go, 
oh man, it is really important for us to just be able to step out of this and laugh and forget about it for a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a psychic. I, you know, I'm terrible at predicting where comedy's going to go. I'm always, I'm always shocked. Like as far as like the fact that people are willing to pay to buy tickets online, to be perfectly honest, I was an old fuddy-duddy about it. I was like, nobody's <laughs> going to buy tickets to look at somebody sitting in their house. Right. Like, you know, but I was wrong. And uh, so I might not be the one to ask about where this is all going to go. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what sticks and what doesn't, right? Because, you know, anytime major things in history happen, it changes how we do things. And, you know, we never really know what those things are going to be until after it happens. Um, and Lord knows we've had a lot of historical things happen. Absolutely. <laughs> Historically crappy things happen um, in the Western world uh, in the past year. And so, you know, and it's made us have to adapt and, uh, and change. And so it'll be really interesting. Some, some parts of the industry will probably go right back to how it was. But there's going to be other things where it's like, yeah, this is, this is different now. I think so too. And I think it, it, you know, we've run the gambit this year of, you know, comics who have been at this touring around for 20, 30 years and also comics who have built their own audience on, on YouTube and TikTok and, and just completely blew up from that. So everybody sort of has this different viewpoint. And I think, you know, comics are, are nothing if not self-motivated. So I think if they did find this Avenue where they realize, Oh, there's an audience here that's for sure going to be a part of the equation moving forward even when live shows and festivals do come back it's just going to be sort of another tool in the kit for comics if they realize that there's an audience to be had there and it's a medium they figured out it's going to stick around why not and an audience sits there that you don't have to get on a plane and you don't have to <laughs> yeah. stay in a crappy hotel and be lonely and eat junk food <laughs> like you know, it's because life on the road is not nearly as, you know, magical as you might think. Like in your 20s, yeah, it's exciting, right? You know, I'm a stand-up comedian, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take long. It only takes a couple decades before you're like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's> tired. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and it's a constant. Uh, it's constant life on the road. And, you know, yeah. sleeping in terrible Howard Johnsons in small towns you've never heard of. and. It's like that old incredibly lonely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like that old uh, Mark Twain quote where he said, it's, you know, as soon as you pay a person to do what they love, it becomes work and they no longer love it. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Yeah. Becomes, sometimes. It, so, it, I mean, to be able to do it and still be home with your family and and your life. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be utterly amazing if 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 this sticks on some level, you know, people that maybe would have never made a career in comedy will well i wonder if the energy is the same because you know you know that that feeling when you walk into a packed club or a theater you're on the road somewhere and you're 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 backstage you're waiting to go up and you're sort of taking a peek out at the crowd and you're trying to read the room and and get a feel for how things are going to go 
I wonder how different that energy is when you're you're at home in front of a screen and all you're waiting for is your cue and then that's it. You're live on screen. It's such a different, you can't sort of ride that wave of what's happening in a room. It's a completely different animal. The energy is going to be different, I would imagine. I mean, again, I can only guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you after Friday. That's um, right. But, but it's actually Sunday now, so maybe, uh, maybe this is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have to do a, a, a check-in and see how it went. Um, but I imagine, yeah, the energy is going to be different because, you know, comedy in a, in a club is a communication between you and the audience in a lot of ways. And, uh, and you don't really have that really, like, you know, because everybody's a tiny little square on, on your screen. And so that that back and forth is uh you know it's gonna be very different but i would imagine the generation of comedians coming up right now aren't gonna know they won't yeah that's right right so you know it i yeah i don't know it's gonna be i know i keep saying it but it's gonna be dang interesting to see what happens when this is all over it will. And it's just going to be a whole new thing. And you know what, Nikki, right now, there's probably also a whole new generation of hecklers sitting at home figuring out how they can use these platforms too. you know, oh, oh. <laughs> the career hecklers who also let's not forget the hecklers who have been put out of work by this too, you know, the nasty little trolls. They're going to have to get good with the computer, I guess. The, That's right. The, yeah, the hecklers are going to have to become hackers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Nikki Payne, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we, ho we hope to, I know you're sort of uh, living the good life out there in New Brunswick and peace and quiet, but hopefully we get to see you live on stage one day doing what you do. And also we will, we'll have to catch up with you and find out how this uh, dipping your toes into online comedy went. Thank you so much for joining us, Nikki. Most importantly... Stay safe, and uh, we'll, we'll have to find out how you enjoyed Black Sheep Comedy. Thank you. Thank you. Stay healthy, you guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nikki. Bye. Hey, this is Alonzo Bowden. You are listening to Inside Jokes on AM640 up in Toronto, Canada. I miss you. Let me in. Please, let me in. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and of course coast to coast and planet earth wide on Global News Online. Thank you again to Nikki Payne coming up on Black Sheep Comedy but now we're switching it over to LA another comic and another absolute festival favorite who we haven't talked to it's got to be a couple of years now the one and only Alonzo Bowden is on the line. Alonzo I know you're out in LA a lot's going on so I like to ask this during all of our pandemic shows literally how are you doing sir i'm doing fine i i am lucky i've been healthy um i'm not broke or homeless yet uh <laughs> and as of today my government is still functioning now <laughs> call me this time tomorrow who knows but for right <laughs> now i'm okay <laughs> well and that's the, i mean you know talking to talking to american comics this season especially i mean we've it's sort of a different take. We're industry-wise and 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 comedy-wise, yes, comics all over North America are very much in sort of the same state. Shows are shut down, and you know, festivals are either digital or on pause and all that stuff. But for American comics, I mean, 
pandemic aside, there's just been a lot going on in the States and especially out in LA and out in California. It's, it's funny. I mean, even, even in Canada, we, even our pandemics are more quaint than you guys. I mean, we had our biggest controversy here was our prime minister saying, don't speak moistly to people. And that was like a big thing. You guys had Trump telling people to drink Javex or whatever he was doing. Yeah, he um, he recommended drinking bleach. He uh, <laughs> n don't wear a mask um, and on and on. Basically, what you did is you listen to him and then you're like, OK, let me go the other way. Let me yeah. do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that was probably your best health advice. You know, I've said from the beginning, like, I'm going to take health advice from doctors and not politicians, you know, Um here in, in California, it started out, our governor was doing a pretty good job. And then I think like everyone else, he just got, got tired of it. So he was telling us to stay at home while he was at some high-end restaurant with his friends, which is not a good look. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. no mask, they're just hanging out eating. So, of course, then we had a bunch of right-wingers say, okay, well, we got to uh, recall the governor. You know, it's like slow down a little bit, you know, but anyway, there's, there's that nonsensical movement, but yeah, we have a lot, the true pandemic we have is stupid and, and stupid can't be beat. There's no vaccine. Yeah. Stupid don't get tired. Stupid is where, like I got up to do this interview. Stupid's like, I've been up for hours, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, what we saw this year was dangerous, levels of stupid really and i mean yeah you make a good point about your governor gavin newsom i mean yes he was always uh pretty popular pretty well liked in california and just generally respected as a politician and then yes you know you make that mistake you have that bad pr thing and then all of a sudden it all piles up on you for you i mean you know and we we're talking to nikki about this as well being a comic and being an american and just sort of observing all this stuff if you were to go live on stage tomorrow, would you feel some sort of, I don't want to say responsibility, but would you feel compelled to address all this on stage in some way, which might not normally be your material or your, more, or your voice? Or do you think people are going to just need a break from all this and just to unplug and be distracted for 90 minutes or an hour? Well, I've been doing some shows. I mean, it, you know, one of the things about uh, the States is that every state has different rules. Yeah. So like right now in this past month or so, it was like there was like a comedy exodus to Austin, Texas, you know, um, Rogan and Chappelle were doing some stuff. And I think the the that led a bunch of other comics to go down to Austin and Texas doesn't have any rules. So they were doing shows and and, you know, I didn't go. I can't say how what it was, but I mean, obviously you put Rogan. Chappelle, Donnell Rollins, Michelle Wolf, that whole crew together, you're going to have some brilliant comedy. And yeah. they're smart enough people. I'm sure they did it in some way that was safe. Um, I did shows in Florida that were, you know, as crazy as Florida seems, it was like the club had social distancing. People wore masks until they sat down. Once they sit down and start the show, the outdoor shows, the drive-ins, the rooftop how can you not talk about this? It, it is, it's not even a national, it's a worldwide phenomenon and there's so much of it. So yeah, people want, they want to hear it. They want to be able to laugh at the stupid of it. And then they want uh, other reality. Like what else yeah. is going on? Some jokes I was doing that people loved. I was talking about things 
you know, do you remember this time last year before this started? Like, what what was your big problem a year ago? Plastic straws. Have you heard about straws lately? <laughs> yeah. I don't think That's we're too true. worried about turtles anymore. So people, uh, yeah, there, there's both. It's like, you got to talk about it and then give an escape from it. And me, being a comic who loves to do topical materials, social material, whatever, I, I'm going to talk about it. And the people know I'm going to talk about it. But it, it's been... It's been a rich environment. Um, the toughest topic, I think, last year was Black Lives Matter. That was one that really pushed buttons. And it's like, of course, I'm going to talk about Black Lives Matter. Oh, why? Because I have one. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. And it, yeah, and I mean, we'll come back from break with more of this. But it is, you know, it's not that there's been really much of any silver linings this year. I mean, like you said, this pandemic is a is a global event. But then a lot of the things that simultaneously happened, it was just such a loaded year for so many reasons. But in the underlying thing, you had this movement that came out that was so overdue and so swept under the carpet. And the reaction to it was vitriol. I mean, you, you know, for every Black Lives Matter protest, you have this complete counter to that that's storming the Capitol and that, you know, has been... Not not only encouraged, but sort of fanned the flames by the by the president himself. So, as of recording this show tomorrow, you guys get a new president. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. We're gonna come back with Alonzo Bowden. More inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi, this is Lewis Black, and you're listening Inside Jokes, which is why it's funny, you idiot. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We, of course, have the one and only Alonzo Bowden on the line. Uh, before the break, Alonzo, we were talking about, obviously, with the backdrop of this pandemic, which you, you tend to forget is a global phenomenon, like you said. I mean, you it's hard to think sometimes that, oh, I'm here in Toronto or I'm here in L.A., the same thing is happening in Tokyo and Honduras, every inch of the planet. It's a, but on top of that, and especially stateside, there's been so many other things that sort of all happened in conjunction with this. So it's been it's been a loaded year. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to address what you said about Black Lives Matter and yeah. these, cra these crazy right wing protests. And and it's very fortunate. It's not equal. You know, there's a false equivalency given to a lot of these things, and and there are far more. There were far more people out protesting against uh, bad police, against black people being killed, than protesting for this idiot storm in the Capitol and all of that. You know, yes, there are both protests, but the numbers, and and I th I think there was a specific thing. I don't want to get too serious right now, but it was a specific thing. When George Floyd was killed, and this relates, in my opinion, to the pandemic, people saw it because they were home, right? We, we yeah. couldn't go, like, if it was normal times, people are at work and it's just a news story and it flashes. But I think because everyone was home watching TV and you saw in real time this man be killed, you know, choked to death for eight minutes and 46 seconds, I think that hit a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have noticed who wouldn't maybe wouldn't have cared and they were like wow this is real 
So when the protests started and when people got out, and yet it was that percentage that were looting opportunists and, and blah, blah, blah. But, but people really got behind it. I think a lot of people felt it who hadn't felt it before. So that's a difference. Yeah, th these angry white people, you know, it, it's so funny. I talked about this. There was a protest last weekend against masks at the Century City Mall in West L.A. Now, West L.A., is the richest part of a rich city. That mall is two miles from Beverly Hills. It's like, really, communism? You can't get into Bloomingdale's without a mask? Is that, when that's your problem, shut yeah. the hell up, all right? Yeah. Just, if you can't go to the boutique without a mask, that might not be communism, I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> it's prior to, I think you're so right as well about about George Floyd and about what's what finally sparked Black Lives Matter. I think it's it's totally true. I mean, a lot of people totally forget that this this was the impetus of this. But you're, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. If if we weren't all sitting at home watching this news cycle and being stuck in one place, it would have been yet another statistic out of countless that we've already seen year after year after year that people just went, oh, that's horrible, and then forgot about it five minutes later. So if that's what it took, finally, and it's true. I mean, the Capitol protesters. That's it's scary and it's absurd and it's idiotic, but, but it is at least thankfully a small percentage. I mean, I think for the most part, the bulk of Americans sit at home looking at that, shaking their heads and going, wow, this is a national shame for us. It's, it's absurdity. Uh, but switching gears, Alonzo, I feel like we have to bring this up because we have you. I'm sure there's things everybody missed on their calendars this year as comics for you. I mean, JFL Montreal. Yes, they kind of still did the festival this year. They did everything digitally. How much did you miss being there in Montreal this year, though? Because you're kind of like an unofficial mayor of that festival, I would say. You're such, <laughs> you're such a regular face at that festival. You're such, you have such a good relationship with that festival, and it's kind of like Christmas time for comics. It's where everybody comes together, and it's this big celebration, and the shows are great. How much did you miss that? Oh, totally. I mean, it's our summer camp. It is our summer Absolutely. camp. We, we yeah. get together. We hang out in Montreal for a couple of weeks. You see comics that you don't see, you know, all year long. Some I haven't seen for years. It's so funny when you said the mayor thing because um, Kenya Barris, who who created that show Blackish and signed, I don't know, like a hundred million dollar deal. Like he got like a LeBron deal, Netflix, <laughs> you know. And he was there for some award, and he he actually came up to me. He said, "Hey, man." Everyone told me to find you, that you're the mayor. You know what's going on. And I'm thinking, like, you're worth $100 million. You don't need me. And then I got <laughs> on him about me never being on any of his TV shows. But <laughs> I love it. You know, it's last week I was cleaning out my office, and I found, like, I found my badge from 1999, which was when I did my first gala. I found my program from 97 when I did New Faces. Uh, yeah. I've been part of Montreal. I've been part of the festival, man, for, for 20 years, over 20 years. I absolutely love it. And, of course, I miss Montreal in the summer. Just just walking Montreal, and it's what a beautiful city. No disrespect to Toronto, because I miss you guys, too. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I love Toronto. Toronto is another great walking city. I like walking cities, and it's a great city to walk around. But the festival, you know, not having lunch with Jimmy Carr, that's an annual thing for me that, that I didn't get to do. Little things like that. Um, old Montreal, just so many things. Yeah, of course I missed it. Oh, the, the key I thing mean, you yeah, said, Alonzo, 
the key thing you said was Montreal in the summer. Oh, yes. Oh. Don't, don't go to Montreal now. You will freeze <laughs> your nuts off. Listen, I've been, I've been to Canada in the winter. I tell people I've done Canada in the winter, and I've done what most Canadians haven't done, and that is Winnipeg in January. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, I know, see, that's what Canadians are like. What the hell is wrong with you? You know, yeah, I know. I know. They, they didn't tell me before I went. I actually saw polar bears leaving Winnipeg. Yeah. Saying, no, it's too cold. We can't can't live like this. And even if you went in the summer, you're still in Winnipeg. So <laughs> keep it to Montreal. But Alonzo, first off, thank you so much. We're glad you are staying safe out in LA. I know. You know, we want things to get back to what they were as soon as possible. Definitely, as much as everybody missed Montreal, Montreal in Canada misses you, man. You really are the mayor of that festival. Everybody, they know what they're talking about. You know, I'm, I'm so happy to be part of it. And, and again, just touring Canada, I, I, it's my favorite thing, man. I love you guys. So, uh, you know, we'll be glad when it opens. And, and when this whole thing started, I will say that there were some Canadians that were like, hey, man, if you want to come up here, just get up here now before we're closed. You know, and I'm <laughs> I just remembered winter. It's the only thing that scares me away. I mean, we, we, when that global warming kicks in, I'll be up there with you. That's right. On the other side of this thing, we'll be glad to see you back on stage up here doing what you do. And hopefully festival season again next year, knock on wood, but Alonzo, thank you so much, man. Glad you're safe. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you soon. All the best. Thanks for having me on. That is our show. That is our panel for this week. Thank you again, of course, to Nikki Payne. So glad to check in with her. It has been as the kids on TikTok say, it has been a minute. And of course, she was on Black Sheep Comedy this past week. And yes, the unofficial mayor of JFL Montreal, Alonzo Bowden. Also fantastic talk to him. Again, it's been a while. Pre-COVID times for sure. Don't forget, you can check out all of our episodes from season five right back to the beginning on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week, baby. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx featuring Alonzo Bowden. I love that. I love Montreal. It, it is hard to make fun of this city because I'm still in love with you. I can't say mean things about you yet. I love old Montreal. Truly, truly the feel of old Europe whenever I'm in old Montreal. I guess food was expensive in old Europe. <laughs> Them $90 lunches kind of get to you after a while. <laughs> Old Montreal is beautiful, but you guys need to do some things, like, like widen the sidewalks a little bit, just wide enough for humans, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I stepped over a panhandler, I tripped on a cobblestone, I got hit by a horse. <laughs> Dangerous over there. Uh, too many hipsters here. They, I saw so many man buns, I thought you guys were making a ninja movie. It, but, but it's really like beautiful women everywhere, just walking around half naked, and you have strip clubs. It's redundant. You're spoiled, Montreal. This is why the rest of Canada doesn't like you. You have beautiful women and strip clubs. I've been to Winnipeg. They have... Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs>